Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Humane Nation podcast. I'm your host, Allie. Welcome back. Isn't it crazy? It's been, it feels like a really long time. I know we took that two-week break, but it honestly feels a lot longer than that. I hope you all had a lovely holiday. I know that for many people, the holidays can be pretty crazy and hectic, but I hope that you were able to take some time to rejuvenate and come into the new year refreshed. Today is our first episode of the year, and I thought, what better way to start the year than by sharing with you ways that you can be a champion for animals this year. So I'm excited to get into that because there are really just many ways that you can be a champion for animals, but we'll just just talk about a few. It's going to be a shorter episode today. But before we go ahead and jump into that, let's go ahead and talk about some animal news first. In San Antonio, Texas, a man found a coati on his front porch. Now, this was obviously a big surprise because coatis are not native in the United States. Coatis are native to South America and typically found in coastal mangrove forests, dense tropical forests, maybe even some savannas, but not Texas. As it turns out, unsurprisingly, this man's neighbor had been keeping this coati within their home illegally, and it somehow managed to escape. After officers were able to catch the coati, they transferred him over to a Texas-based wildlife rescue and rehab, which is a wildlife rescue and rehab that is legally able to care for wild animals such as coatis. By the way, if you're wondering what a coati looks like, they kind of look like a cross between a raccoon and a badger. They are actually part of the raccoon family, and they are really cute looking, but obviously they are not meant to be pets. And owning a coati could get you up to a $2,000 fine, which may not seem like a lot. And honestly, I feel like there should be a larger punishment uh, for owning a coati, especially considering the fact that most likely in order to get a coati, you'd have to purchase it from either a black market, illegal pet trade, or the such. So long story short, let wild animals stay in the wild. Do not keep them as pets. I know people might think it's super cute or super fun or maybe even cool to have a wild animal as a pet, but it can be really dangerous for the animal, for you and your neighbors. I mean, there have been times when people keep a tiger in their residential home within a actual community and that tiger escapes and now you have a tiger loose. You know, it's just best to keep wild animals in the wild. All right, moving on. Meanwhile, in Philadelphia, a local animal rescue group called Fishtails Animal Rescue is teaming up with local restaurants to find homes for their rescued animals, their cats and dogs. Now, they are putting the animal's information, their picture, you know, all of their info about them on sheets that are then attached to takeout boxes and takeout bags in hopes that it'll spread more awareness about all of the amazing animals that they have at their rescue that are looking for their forever homes. I love this idea. I think it is so great. I think it's a wonderful way to include local businesses and really just get the word out there. You know, in this day and age, ordering food, ordering takeout is 
really the common thing to do, especially it seems like here in the States, everyone is getting takeout orders. So why not put just a little pamphlet with their order, put a little um, info sheet about a specific dog or specific cat? You know, I just, I love this idea. And maybe if you're listening, you are part of a rescue or you know of a rescue who might benefit from this, let them know. This was such an amazing idea and I'll include actually the link to this news article in the show notes. Um, it's just a really short video, but still, it's, it's a good way to get the word out about this method of collaborating with local businesses to show the community all the amazing animals that are looking for their forever home. But all right, you guys, that wraps up our news portion today. Let's go ahead and jump into today's topic. Are you one that likes to do the whole New Year's resolutions thing? Do you like to make a list? Are you very dedicated to it? I am genuinely interested because I think it is so cool when people are so motivated with their New Year's resolutions. Unfortunately, I can't say that I am one of these people. <laughs> um, I, I don't know what it is about the new year that actually causes me a tiny bit of anxiety. I know that there are people who just genuinely look forward to the new year. It's a new beginning and in, in a way, maybe looking at it from a self-improvement kind of attitude, which I think that's great. I think there's always something that we can improve on with ourselves. So whether or not you do New Year's resolutions, I hope this episode will be useful for you because I think it really can go for anybody, whether you're already a very um, dedicated animal activist or advocate, whether you are new to this uh, world and looking for ways to better the lives of animals. That's really what the point of this episode is, just giving you ideas to increase the welfare of animals, you know, these incredible beings that we get to share our world with. With that being said, let's go ahead and get started with our first idea. And this one is probably super, <laughs> is probably super expected and one that you probably know that I would say, but volunteering. Volunteering is so helpful and highly needed right now. There are sanctuaries, rescues, shelters that are in need of your help. And the cool thing is, is that you offer a very specific skill set that maybe they lack. Maybe you are the exact kind of person that they need to help better that organization. I think people often assume that volunteering is just, oh, just volunteering. It's not a big deal, but it is a huge deal. Um, you know, I have some sanctuary friends and they value their volunteers. Without volunteers, a lot of the work that they do would not be able to happen. And they know that. Likewise with shelters, they are <laughs> understaffed, overworked. Having volunteers help balance that out is major. And the neat thing about volunteering is that there are so many different things that you can do I mean, between direct animal care to taking the dogs out to walk to helping with their social media page, making blankets for the cats and dogs, or designing a t-shirt and doing a t-shirt campaign for a sanctuary, or maybe helping an organization with their administrative work. You know, there are just so many different things that you can do. And the very cool thing is, is that you are having a direct impact 
on that organization and the animals within that organization. And that's pretty amazing. Not to mention, there are some rescue groups, like the one that I'm in, for example, is solely run on volunteers. So, you know, that's just another another reason why volunteering is so important and and needed. All right, all right. I'm getting off my soapbox. Um, you get the point. Volunteering is super major, very important, and highly beneficial. Moving on to the next item, altering your diet. Now, I know this can be a really touchy subject for people when they think about diet or vegetarian, vegan lifestyle, really. It, I mean, really, it can be a lifestyle, not just a diet for many people. So I hope that going into this section that you'll just kind of keep an open mind. I grew up eating meat. My family eats meat, even to this day. And somewhere along high school, I think it was my sophomore year, I just decided to quit eating meat. Obviously, this was a challenge because I was a high schooler. I wasn't really buying my own food at the time. And so there were a lot of times when people were highly concerned about me not eating enough protein. And this is usually what happens when, you know, you hear of a friend or family member who is now vegetarian or vegan. All of a sudden, people are highly concerned about that person's protein intake, which is always really funny to me. At no point is anyone ever concerned about your protein intake until you tell them that you are a vegetarian or vegan. And it's really interesting because many people assume that you need to eat large quantities of protein within a day. And that's just simply not the case. In fact, having a protein deficiency, at least in the United States, is very rare. That is not a common deficiency that you would see in everyday life. Not to say that it can't happen, but I'm just saying that it is not common. And this is because you can find protein in many foods, not just meat, but within the plant-based diet as well. Some of you may remember me talking about in a previous episode that in college, I studied to be a dietitian. And of course, my senior year, I decided that that was not the route I wanted to go, which is obviously the worst timing to finally figure that out. But nonetheless, I went through four years of studying to be a dietitian. And within those four years, I was very thankful to have been at a university that really highlighted and championed a plant-based diet. There are just so many health benefits to eating plant-based. And yes, I know that everyone has their own health concerns or maybe their own nutrient needs, but in general, plant-based diets is both good for you, the environment, and animal welfare. You see, millions of animals are used every year for the meat industry. Land is being used for the meat industry. And I know that this is something that a lot of people don't like to talk about. And it's very unfortunate because of its major impact within our health and our global wellness, (laughs) really. But it's true. I think that more people should be aware that their diet has a direct impact on the world around them. And I know that, oh man, but that cheeseburger just tastes so good. Or, oh man, I can't live without my chicken nuggets from McDonald's. Let me tell you guys, that stuff is garbage. It's garbage. It's so bad for you. And I mean, really, it's a whole psychological warfare between your mind and your taste buds. 
But the good news is there are small things you can do today that will help you in this direction of being a mindful consumer. So as you know, I started to go vegetarian back in high school and I pretty much quit like immediately. It was very sudden and my family thought, oh, it's just a phase, you know, Allie will get over it. But it wasn't. I mean, here I am 11 or 12 years later and I'm still vegetarian and actually now converting to being a vegan. But at the time, it was a it was a big challenge. And I get that. There's going to be times when you're like, oh man, I'm really craving this or I really wish I could eat this again. But it's all a mindset of training your taste buds. And that's the really cool thing about our body is that we can retrain our taste buds to prefer a certain palate. That doesn't mean you're never going to crave something again or if you smell something, you know, that might make you... Um, hungry for that specific food again, but you can retrain your taste buds. And the neat thing is is that you can kind of go at your pace. For me, I know I needed to quit everything. However, this proved to be really difficult. And so probably about several months, or I would even say maybe it was over a year of not eating any meat at all, I decided to reincorporate fish into my diet. And so I had eaten fish for several more years until finally I decided, okay, I don't want to eat fish either. So I don't eat fish now. And I started eating less and less uh, dairy and eggs that when I would have egg or something with dairy in it, my stomach would be in shambles. It would just, it was not good times at all. So now I know that I'm a little bit sensitive to egg and dairy now too, which actually kind of helps me as I start transitioning over to being vegan. So find what works for you. If currently you're eating meat every day, I challenge you to go one day a week meat-free. Actually, going one day a week meat-free, that in itself is highly impactful. And if everyone did that, we would see some significant changes. If you're already doing one day a week with no meat, I encourage you to to up that to two days a week with no meat and so on. You know, just keep trying to challenge yourself more and more. The thing about this is, is that no one can force you to do something like this. It has to be something that you want and that you're motivated for. So I want you to ask yourself what motivates you to eat a more humane diet. Figure out what your why is. I think that in itself will help motivate you as you're pursuing this. And I just want to say that, you know, it's, it's hard when you're changing your diet, especially when you go to family functions or you have people over or when you go out to eat with friends, you know, it makes it more of a challenge. I get that. But the cool thing is, is that restaurants are now creating more plant-based options for people like us. And that's amazing. I can't tell you how much has changed in the past decade for restaurants offering more options. When I first became vegetarian, I had to just order sides because there was no main dish that actually was a vegetarian dish. Isn't that crazy? I had to order like a baked potato with nothing on it and a side salad. And now I can go to a restaurant and, oh, there's an Impossible Burger available or, oh, they have this, um, I don't know, Green Goddess Wrap. I don't know, just, it's just so nice to know that there's options. So I just want to wrap up this section by saying, 
you know, figure out what works best for you in terms of, you know, how you go about eating a humane diet and also figure out your why. You know, the sad reality is that a lifetime of suffering for an animal at a factory farm equals a moment of satisfaction for you. And that's just the cold hard facts. A moment of satisfaction is a lifetime of suffering for that animal. So just something to keep in mind as you figure out how you can do better for the animals through your diet. Okay, the final way that you can help be a champion for animals this year is by getting involved with your state-level politics. Now, I know politics are not a fun topic. I get that. (laughs) I don't enjoy politics either. But it is important to know, first off, what your county regulations are in terms of animal welfare rights and if there's any improvements that need to happen but also what's happening within your state. And something that may be a little bit intimidating and something that you can practice this year, and honestly, something I should practice this year, is communicating with your elected officials. I know this can be intimidating. Something that's helpful to remember is that they're there to serve you. So I think it's helpful for them to know exactly how their constituents feel about certain animal welfare issues. Plus, there are so many protections for animals that can happen through legislation. I've been a humane policy volunteer leader for Humane Society United States um, in the state of Michigan. And actually, because of that, I've had the opportunity to communicate with my representative office and also the senator office for Michigan. And let me tell you, that was terrifying. Being the introvert that I am and talking to a senator office official, you know, that was really intimidating. But something that the Michigan state director reassured me was, obviously I'm kind of paraphrasing, but essentially just by me showing up to this meeting says a lot. And I think this is because many times there are people who just kind of see issues arise, but then not pursue change to make it better. And it It takes a lot for someone to actually pursue talking to a senator office official. So that was really helpful. Um, It was myself along with several others that uh, were at that meeting that time. And specifically, I talked about the Big Cat Public Safety Act, which actually has now been passed, which is amazing. And I'm super excited. But it's so cool to see this kind of change happen and know that you were a part of it. So I just want to encourage you to get involved and there are many organizations that you can join that I think have call to action, whether that be write a letter to the editor or contacting your county representative or your state senator. You know, there are various ways that you can go about making political change for animals and this has big impact. So that kind of wraps up our list for today. Obviously, there are more ways that you can be a champion for animals this year, but just find what works for you and what interests you, what really speaks to you, and pursue it. All right, you guys, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I forgot to mention earlier when I was talking about the Humane Policy Volunteer Leader for HSUS 
I have technically been a part of that. I haven't been as active now, but it is really a, a nice program to get involved with. If you're interested, you can go to the Humane Society of the United States website and um, I think they have like a volunteer area or section page and you can sign up to be a humane policy volunteer leader within your state. So just something to keep in mind. As you know, I have been doing some changes to the website and the website is currently not available. I, I had high hopes that I could get things done within that two week break, but um, there were some, yeah, there were some things going back and forth that unfortunately I have still to figure out. But just so you know, the website is currently down. However, if you need to reach out to me, you can email me at info at thehumanenation.com. Currently, we are not doing foster or adoption stories, which is, is a bummer, but hopefully once a website is back up, we'll be able to bring those back. However, if you're a sanctuary that is in need of a sponsor for one of your residents, you can go ahead and email me and we will figure out a way to get their story on the podcast and also on our social media. Again, we also have merch available now, which is exciting. So if you're interested in that, um, our store is on Bonfire right now. Although, again, it might be changing. We're trying to be kind of fluid with this. But um, currently it's on Bonfire. You can go to our Instagram page and in the link tree, you will see merch and you can order it through there. One more thing really fast is I am considering doing episodes every other week instead of every week. And I want to just try to see how this goes for a few months. And if you guys are like, no, I need an episode every week, you know, we can revisit that topic. But for now, I want to try doing every other week, see how that goes, and just kind of go from there. You know, we're still very new. We've only been around for almost seven months, so not even a year yet. So we're still very fluid, figuring our rhythm, figuring out what works for us. So Thank you for bearing with me as I figure all these things out. And also, I'd love your feedback too about whether we should do every week or every other week. But for now, we're going to be trying every other week and seeing how that goes. All right, you guys, I hope that you'll join us next time because we have a very special guest joining us, which I'm super excited for you to hear about. And until then, thank you guys so much for listening and we will catch you next time. 